The Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network is brought to you by Moultrie Mobile. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is, in fact, the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. In case you missed it, my name is John Hutsmith, and I wanted to be extra sure to introduce myself because after the amazing weekend I had at the Backwoods show this last weekend, I know for a fact we have a lot of new listeners. In fact, I watched several people look the podcast up on their phone while they were standing in front of me, and uh, two elderly gentlemen actually handed me their phone so that I could download it for them because they didn't know how. So yeah, it was a great weekend. Um, I met several of you listeners, which was awesome. Uh, it's great to know that I'm not just talking into this microphone for no reason. I love to know that people actually listen. Uh, I was able to meet several podcast guests, you know, people that I'd had on and talked to, but never got to officially meet. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I just got to meet a lot of people in general, uh, made a few business contacts I'm very excited about and uh, can't wait to share some of that stuff with you guys, you know, further down the road. So yeah, overall, just a great weekend. Uh, I never knew I could have so much fun standing in a 10 by 10 box for 25 hours straight. Um, maybe not straight. You know, I got to sleep a little bit in there, but not much. Uh, I think Saturday the show ran from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., so 10 solid hours of uh, sitting in my little booth. So, But thank you for anybody who came by. Um, it was great to meet you if I met you. Um, if you didn't make it to the show, I still love you. I understand. Um, so yeah, thank you to anybody who bought a hat or a shirt to support me. Um, if you weren't able to make it and you are interested in a hat or a shirt, uh, send me a message on Instagram and we might be able to work something out for you. So, so yeah, thank you guys. I really enjoyed it. Um, man, not a whole lot else is going on. Like I said, I spent the entire weekend at the show. Uh, this coming weekend, I plan to do some kind of fishing. Uh, my, my big goal is to make it to Texoma. Um, but looking at the weather, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Um, and so I have a backup plan that I don't think I'm going to announce just yet, but if, if Texoma doesn't work out, I do have a backup plan. So again, my goal is to do some kind of fishing this coming weekend. And then the following weekend, weather permitting, I'm going to get back on the habitat, uh, work because last weekend when I went up there, uh, or the weekend before the backwoods show, uh, I just didn't get a whole lot done. It started raining on me and I got a lot of chainsaw work to do. So, so that's the plan for the next week or two. Um, and I don't want to muddy up this uh, episode too much with this intro because we have a fantastic episode this week, guys. I'm really excited about it. So I met Steve Tatro and his son Max at the ATA show a few weeks ago, and uh, they had a booth there and some just some really interesting products that caught my eye. Talked to him a little bit and immediately knew that I wanted to have him on the podcast. And so we finally got our schedules worked out to have him on this week. And I'm just telling you guys right now, you need to have your thinking cap on for this episode. This is not your basic, you know, 
put your seed out and drag it and stuff to plant a food plot. No, this is, we're going way deeper than that. So Steve jumps on here. He brings his two right-hand men, Andy and Kenton. And again, we do a big time deep dive. We're talking uh, soil samples, pH levels, lime, calcium, what you need to really get the most out of your food plot. You know, we're not just talking about, again, we're not just talking about throwing some seed out there and hoping it grows. We're talking how to get the most out of your food plots and why that is important. You know, not just how to do it, but why you should do it. And so, like I mentioned earlier, this is a deep dive. Um, you know, we get pretty scientific and I love it. You know, they start to hold back a few times and I kind of encourage them to keep going because, um, man, this is just important stuff, guys. And, you know, you don't need a, a chemistry degree to understand what they're talking about. They do a great job of breaking it down for the common man. Um, but yeah, absolutely great stuff. And so that's why I'm saying I don't want to, don't want to beat around the bush too much with this intro today, uh, because, this conversation we're about to have is absolutely fantastic. So again, these guys are with Plot Doctor. They're, we're going to go through their products. We're going to tell you why use them, when to use them, how to use them, all that good stuff. We cover it all in this episode. So once again, this is Steve, Andy, and Kitten with Plot Doctor, and you're going to listen to our episode right now. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today, and today I'm joined by a whole host of uh, people. We got the guys from Plot Doctor. How are you guys doing today? Just fine, you? I'm doing great. Uh, we've already talked about the, the weather a little bit off air. It's cold up there and warm here for now. Chance of snow coming this Friday, so we'll kind of skip that part and get into the good stuff. So real quick before we get going, why don't you guys uh, take a little trip around the table and introduce yourselves. All right, I'm uh, Steve Tatro, the owner of TIP. We're an agricultural company here, uh, equipment and fertility. And uh, Plot Doctor is a, uh, a division of, of TIP. Hey, John, uh, Kenton here. Uh, thanks for having us on. Uh, so I primarily work as an agronomist um, and kind of oversee the agro solutions side of the business, which is our agronomy branch or our agronomy division of TIP. Um, and Andy will uh, introduce himself here in a minute. Uh, him and I work together, and uh, yeah, we all uh, work on the plot doctor side, uh, answering a lot of the same questions that uh, guys are we're helping guys with on the ag side. But uh, you know, obviously, the plot doctor side is a lot, lot more fun. So we're uh, <laughs> we're excited to be on with you tonight. Awesome. Uh, I'm Andy. Um, I'm kind of the mother of the company. I work the equipment side of things, the agronomy side of things, plot doctor. Um, every day is a new day for me, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, we, we have fun doing it. It keeps things interesting and we get to see a lot of different facets of everything that goes into plant production, growing plants, agriculture is a, a well-rounded whole. Awesome. Awesome. So, so you guys know what you're talking about. I take it. That's, that's what I gathered from those introductions. Uh, yeah, we've been around for a while. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, I'm really looking forward. I personally am very excited about this. Um, you know, I, I I watch YouTube videos or hunting shows, and, you know, most of those are based out of the Midwest, Iowa, Illinois, stuff like that. And it seems like those guys, all they have to do is go out there, you know, spray the grass a little bit, throw some seed out, and they got a food plot that looks like it, you know, belongs on the picture of a, a food, you know, a seed bag or something like that. And that's just not really the way it goes down here where we're at. So I'm very excited to have you guys on and learn from you guys um, 
But real quick, before we really get in, uh, you know, into the deep stuff, uh, I thought it'd be good for us to just go through and define a few terms for our listeners. And I'm going to let you guys do this because y'all know what you're, uh, what you're talking about. So uh, the first ter- two terms I got for you are annual versus perennial plants. Uh, so one of you guys want to tackle that one real quick? Yeah, so annuals and perennials are pretty simple things to differentiate from one another. Annuals, they're gonna you're gonna plant them year one. They're gonna go through their stages of whether or not they're gonna go leafy, vegetative, for reproductive, and they're dying in that same year. Perennials are coming back every single year. So annuals are gonna be your cereal grains, um, minus like your winter rye. That's a biennial, which uh, is kind of a hybrid, but um, your brassicas, your, okay. your grasses, um, they're all annual crops. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna grow up this year. They're gonna die the same year. Perennials, you got your clovers and alfalfas. Um, that pretty much wraps up the majority of the food plot world. Mm-hmm. And then like your winter rye, your triticales, um, your winter wheats, you'll plant those in the fall. They'll come up in the spring. Um, that's what we call a biennial. So, gotcha, gotcha, awesome. One extra term in there at you. All right, good, good. All right, and uh, you mentioned two of the other ones I was going to have you. So let's jump into those. Let's do brassicas and cereal grains. Mm-hmm. So brassicas, they're all in the mustard family. Um, confuses a lot of guys because there are so many different plant species in the brassica family. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, mustards, canolas. All your your rapes, kales, they're all in the same brassica family. So sometimes there can be some confusion of, I'm planting brassicas. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be a multitude of 20 different plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, those are typically going to be your fall-planted uh, food plots. Mm-hmm. So they, they like the colder weather. They handle that stuff a lot better. Um, and they're really good at releasing sugars once frost mm-hmm. comes in. Um, your cereal greens... They're all going to be grass-type plants. you got your oats, your rye, your wheat, your triticale, which is the rye-wheat cross, um, and that would cover that would cover our seal greens. Gotcha. Awesome. All right, and then uh, we got your foliar fertilizer, and we got your dry fertilizer. Why don't you hit on those real quick? I think the better differentiation that we should do here, John, mm-hmm. is just the difference between liquid and dry. Perfect. Because it... Well, let's do liquid, dry, and foliar. Okay. okay. So there's a lot of liquid fertilizers out there that you can ground apply and also be a foliar. They're going to be foliars if they're plant safe. So you can spray them on top and it's not going to damage the plant. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then your dry fertilizers are just going to be your, there's a multitude of different uh, analysis type products. You got your all your triple 10s, 13s, 20s, 17s. You got your 624-4s, um, 624-24s. They're just a, each one's their own recipe and, and a dry spread product. And those are going to be pretty much safe to put pre-plant in season for the most part. Unless you start talking about some of the nitrogen products, you can get some spotting and some burn from those. Mm-hmm. Those are all soil applied. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and I'm going to throw a, a, a curveball at you that I didn't warn you about, but I think it's going to be an easy one for you. So uh, if you're you know, looking at a bag of fertilizer or, or you're in the feed store or something and they have, you know, 17-17-17 or, uh, what's, you know, 6400, uh, what do those three numbers represent? 
So it's all going to be N, P, and K. So your first number is nitrogen, your second number is phosphorus, your third number is potassium. Okay? Gotcha. And then all those numbers, <coughs> most of the time you're going to buy them in a 50-pound bag. Mm-hmm. So you don't, so say you have a triple 17 and you buy a 50-pound bag. Okay? You're getting 8.5 pounds of each nutrient, not 17. So those numbers are all based on 100 pounds. And that same analysis can be determined in liquids as well. So, like, if you take a liquid product, that's how many pounds of nutrients you get per 100 pounds. It doesn't matter if it's liquid or if it's dry. Awesome. Awesome. Great. All right. All right. Now let's get into more of the fun stuff. So I got your, uh, I got on your website last night, did a lot of research, a lot of reading up. And uh, I love your website, by the way. Very informative. Um, and I basically have all your different products here. And so I think what I'd like to do is just take them one at a time and basically let you guys talk about, you know, what the product is, uh, when someone should use it, and, and basically essentially why someone would buy this product. And so I'm gonna, I got them listed out here, and I'm going to start at the top and work my way down. And, and you, guys, you guys can decide which one of you tackles which one. But uh, let's start with uh, Plot Doctor Foliar Fertilizer. So our foliar fertilizer, it can be a little misconstrued by the name. It is not a 100% just foliar product. This is a product that we can use on the ground as a starter. We can use this over the top of the plant as a foliar feed in season. This is a product that we can mix with herbicides. Um, it's, it's safe to mix tank mix with anything. Um, so it's a very diverse product. Um, it's going to feed the plant just as well ground applied as it will as a foliar. Um, and I think this is a good opportunity. A lot of guys, social media is, it's great and it's bad all at the mm-hmm. same time. Because, you know, instantly you have a thousand experts <laughs> that don't have to take phone calls from customers or people looking for support. Mm-hmm. You know, they they tried this, it worked. Well, it's not going to always work for, for every other guy. Mm-hmm. You know, or someone might see a bigger benefit out of it than someone else mm-hmm. but a lot of guys will claim that you know foliar fertilizers are just band-aids they don't carry a crop for a long amount of time um, what makes our products different from the rest of the marketplace is so all of our products contain an amount of carbon and without digging it too deep you got humix fulvix and amino acids those types of additives with the products number one it keeps the product plant available um, efficiency is everything nowadays. A lot of people have a hard time grasping technology when we start talking about fertilizer, but you think about we we used to run all tractors that were open top, no no cab, mm-hmm. um, no GPS, etc. Well, technology has expanded in fertilizer just like it has in equipment technology, cell phone technology, etc. So we can get away with very, very small amounts of fertility and still have very large impacts on a crop. So our, our foliar fertilizer, it's, it's a very diverse product. It can be used as many times as you want. You know, you brought up about magazine quality type food plots. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those expectations hurt guys because, mm-hmm. again, not everybody has Midwest Iowa soil. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of work. If you have a few That's weeds in a plot, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're planting this for the deer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so... And adequate rain is 
is critical no matter what it is or where you are in the country. Yeah. If you don't have adequate rainfall, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and to add to that, that's a good point, Steve. Uh, what a lot of guys in the food plot industry need to understand is plants drink, they don't eat. So whether we're using our products, anybody's products, dry, liquid, it all has to be in solution and in a plant-available form that the plant can, can utilize. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, remember that plants drink, they do not eat. Mm-hmm. And so things need to be in solution in order for us to be able to get them utilized by the plant. Um, you know, we can certainly overcome some of that with, with some liquid products, but at the end of the day, if we're growing in a desert, uh, that conversation is going to be pretty difficult at best. Right. So, right. yeah. And I should have uh, well, I should have found this out myself, but it's okay. I'll ask you guys anyway. Um, when when somebody orders a jug of this, is it ready to go, or is it a concentrate, which they did, then have to mix with water? It's a concentrate that you mix in water. Gotcha. Okay. So whether you're using a, a backpack sprayer, a hand sprayer, a four-wheeler sprayer, um, it can be adjusted, you know, based on the size of your tank. So. Yeah, correct. We're not selling you any water. It's a, it's 100%. <laughs> right? So uh, you can always add water. We, gotcha. we don't want to charge for that. Perfect, perfect. All right. Um, anything uh, else on that one before we move to the next one? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Uh, let's move on to the... Uh, Plot Doctor Dry. So Plot Doctor Dry is basically just to, to fit a logistic issue. So guys are already spraying the seed. Plot Doctor Dry allows you to put fertility in that same pass and spread it out. It works really well with your fine seeds. It's not going to work as well with your larger cereal grains or like some of your uh, lab labs, buckwheat, Anything larger seeded because there will be a sifting effect, so you'll end up with seed on top, fertilizer on the bottom. Mm-hmm. But anytime you're spreading like alfalfas, clovers, brassicas, it mixes really well. It adds to the volume that you're spreading. So, I mean, every person has gone out there and accidentally planted a chia pet in the field. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it's happened to everybody. So, it, it adds a little bit of mass there and helps you spread out that risk of over applying an area mm-hmm. um as well as again you're putting the fertilizer right where you're, you're putting the seed yeah so most most guys i'll jump in here most guys buy a bag of seed at a four pound bag mm-hmm. and it's good for half an acre um some of the seeds are good for a quarter acre but but we we proportion that dry fertilizer to mix directly with that same amount of seed that four pound bag of seed mm-hmm. so it allows you to spread those tiny little seeds there's four hundred thousand plus seeds in a bag mm-hmm. Uh, it allows you to spread that over that half of an acre instead of making two passes and you're out of seed and fertilizer. So it, it kind of, it's a buffer, right? Gotcha. Because yep. you want to spread those seeds out fairly thin. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're competing with each other as they start to germinate and grow. Mm-hmm. So a lot of guys think it has to look like a carpet instantly. Well, no, if it says that four-pound bag covers a half an acre, you want to make sure that you spread those tiny little seeds over that whole half an acre. Mm-hmm. I was definitely guilty of that when I was younger. You know, if a, if a little seed is good, then a lot of seed has to be great. And uh, I definitely hurt myself a lot uh, back in the day. Um, right. Let me, let me ask you this on the Dr. Dry. Um, so, you know, you can drive by the co-op on any given day uh, where I live, and uh, they got, you know, fertilizer spreaders just all over the place. And then if they forecast a rain for Thursday – 
Tuesday and Wednesday, all those fertilizer spreaders are gone because everybody's trying to get it spread right before a rain. And I've always heard that in order for that stuff to really work, it's supposed to get rained on. Is that true, or is the rain just kind of part of, you know, like you said, you can't grow it in a desert, so you need the moisture anyway. But is there an actual effect on the fertilizer because of the rain? Well, so it kind of goes back to what we said earlier, John. You know, plants drink, they don't eat. Mm -hmm. So if guys are not working it in, which typically in the middle of the season, you know, you're not running running a disc across a field that's planted. Mm -hmm. Unless you're running some kind of a cultivation piece, which does not apply in the food food plot world, you're relying on that moisture falling from the sky to take that dry krill sitting on the surface Mm -hmm. and more or less solubilize it to a point where it's going to trickle into the ground where the roots can get at it and the plant can utilize it. Okay. Uh, You'll, you'll hear us use the word efficiency a lot today. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if, if the listeners didn't gather that sometimes isn't the most efficient process, what I just explained, Mm -hmm. And, and again, there's just a lot of variables that are out of our control. Now, the same can be said about our plot doctor dry. If it sits on top of the surface, certainly it isn't going to do any good. But the way that we recommend guys use it, as Steve just described and Andy, is it gets spread with the seed. It's got the consistency of sugar. And so it mixes very well with, with smaller seeds, as Andy described, and it is 100% seed safe. And so when we put that into the ground, typically we're either going to cult the pack or do a light, um, you know, working of the soil to get that seed incorporated um, or, or it's already incorporated in some way, shape or form because, you know, we don't usually don't just spread seeds on top of the surface and, and leave them. Mm-hmm. And so that solves that problem for us. Um, so if that kind of clarifies that situation, mm-hmm. I, again, the reason you see the spreaders go out before the rain Try to get the dry into into a, a plant available form. Mm-hmm. Get it into the dirt. Well, and the kicker with most of those agricultural dry spreads is there is a nitrogen component. Mm-hmm. And if it's not rained in, they're very good at absorbing moisture out of the air. Mm-hmm. And then they do what we call, it's called volatization. And so it turns into a gas form, and it basically just all floats away in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So if it's not rained in and incorporated with a, some sort of moisture, then they, they lose a lot of it to volatility. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. Great stuff, guys. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. All right. Next, we got the Plot Doctor Liquid Lime. So our Liquid Lime product is our most popular product just because, as well as you know, liming is difficult on a small scale. Mm -hmm. Okay. The reason that the farmers all use ag lime is because, number one, they got a person to spread it, and it's cheap, okay? Um, food plot guys, we don't have a specialized spreader to spread the cheap stuff, which is the ag lime. Mm-hmm. Volatized lime is expensive. Um, a lot of our plots are in remote locations, so you got to haul a lot of material to maybe a place you can't get in with a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Um, so the liquid lime solves a lot of logistical issues. Um, as well as it is a instant satis- satisfaction type product. Okay, if you go through and you take the time to go clear a new plot, or you bought a new piece of land, and you know you're not waiting three, four years to to plant something there, you want to hunt it right now, and you want to have success right now. So again, what we tell a lot of people, it's the right tool for the right job. If you can, uh, if you can have somebody come in and spread and you have enough acreage to do that, 
by all means, go and spread egg lime. Okay, if that's the easiest for you, the cheapest for you, and it works out well, you're more than welcome. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to spread pelletized lime and, and still have a little bit of wait period, you can do that. But for a lot of guys, they have a quarter acre plot, a half acre plot. Um, it, it's a lot of work. There's still a wait time for, for results. Plot Doctor Liquid Lime is a, is a type of product where you can raise pH very quickly and maintain with the conventional product, or you can use it annually every year. It's a very fast-acting form of lime. It is no different than what you get in agar lime. It is a calcium carbonate product. So it's not a, it's not a snake oil product. It's, it's what you would get in a dry form, but in a liquid form that you can use with your own sprayer and apply yourself in a lot easier fashion. And you, you you touched on it real quick, but just to make sure all the listeners know, uh, you know, what are what are you using this lime for? You know, what is the purpose of putting lime out there? So you, you just, John, I was just going to interrupt Andy, and I was going to say this is a perfect opportunity to talk about the different kinds of calcium that are out there, right? And what some of the differences are, because I know here, you know, on on your list that you've got for us in a minute, we're going to talk about our plot doctor calcium, and mm -hmm. I'm sure that if not explained, is going to cause some confusion because mm -hmm. you're going to say, well, wait a minute, didn't you guys just talk about your plot doctor calcium? Uh -huh. Well, yes, we did, but uh, l let's just, let, let's delve into that a little bit. So yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I'll say a few things here quick, and then I'll let Andy keep going because he was doing a good job with that. Um, for, yeah, Steve, Steve just told me twice here, soil test. We, yep. we cannot test a soil test enough with guys. I mean, we, we provide guys with information on, on how to go take one. We, we've partnered with, with a, I've got about 10 different labs that I turn to on the ag side, but it, this does not need to be a complicated, expensive sample. Most guys can get uh, a perfectly good food plot sample done for probably, for sure, under $20, mm -hmm. okay? Um, you know, they can do that on their own. All we need is that information, and, and certainly they should have that information to make an educated decision uh, on what product they need and how much they need. Otherwise, a lot of this is guesswork, which we certainly, I mean, I'm, I'm getting good at guessing these days, but uh, I'd much rather not be stabbing in the dark. Mm -hmm. uh, none of these products are free, so why use more than we have to? Right. Uh, we'd like to be as precise as possible based off of the information that we're getting. Uh, one other thing that I'll add too is uh, when we, Andy mentioned, you know, ag lime, pell lime, and our liquid lime product all come from the same parent material, mm -hmm. calcium carbonate. Calcium carbonate, which is a reactive material. Uh, that is very important. Um, there are, as Andy mentioned earlier, a lot of calcium products out there. Not all of them will affect pH. Mm -hmm. And that is also something that's very important for guys to understand. From a reactive calcium standpoint, which our liquid lime product is, and ag lime and pell lime are the same way, it comes down in how they work and how quickly they work to particle size and purity. So real quick, ag lime has a larger particle size depending on where you're buying it. It sometimes can be pure, but, but typically just, again, as ag lime, as far as ag lime goes, is not the purest of products. This is why it works over time. It is not an instant uh, reaction in the soil. So again, right tool for the right job. Pell lime, it is a pure product, 
with a smaller particle size, which is why it works faster but does not last as long. It is also why it is more expensive. Our liquid lime takes that particle size much, much smaller, and it is a, an extremely pure product, which is why Andy says it works instantly, and it does. The trade-off there is the smaller the particle size, the faster it works, but the faster it wears off. So in terms of our liquid lime product, we say it is good for the season. We've got a few guys that put, you know, fall plots in that say their pH hangs in there the following spring, but we're going to tell you it is a season, seasonal application. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. So were y'all done with the liquid lime and ready to move on to calcium, or y'all have some more to stay on that? So so if you're, if you're soil test, I'll just jump in quick. We, yeah. we see soil tests every day, and and it says 1,400 pounds of lime required, right? Mm-hmm. Calcium carbonate required to adjust that pH in that soil. So the equivalency of 1,400 pounds, the active calcium carbonate in there that's going to actually change pH is about 14 to 15 pounds, correct, Case? <laughs> Pretty close. So 50 bags, for, for figure's sake. 50 bags of lime, we can do that same reaction with a gallon of our liquid lime. Gotcha. So there's about 14 pounds of active calcium carbonate within that gallon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the jug weighs 14 pounds. Um, that's all active material. Mm-hmm. So would you rather take 50 bags of dry <laughs> out there and spread it and work it in or take one gallon in your sprayer and spray it out to accomplish the same reaction? I like the gallon. I like the gallon. It's a, just a convenience thing, right? Well, uh, it's an efficiency yeah. thing and it's right. a convenience thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and And... and Sorry, Ken. No, no problem. Go ahead, Andy. Again, it's it's just the right tool for the right job. I mean, we're not going to sit here and poo-poo egg lime, poo-poo nope. pell lime. They're they're all working in the same mode of action. Mm-hmm. But again, it's do you want to invest the time, money, um, into seed, fertilizer, etc., and not have your pH where you need it to be and, and see marginal results? Or do you want to see all your money on an annual basis be spent to the best of its ability? Mm-hmm. And so, again... And that's why there's the option of raising your pH and then maintaining it with a conventional product, or do you just use this annually if that's easier for you? You know? Yeah. Everybody's got a sprayer. Andy, you just said it. You know, and I don't think anyone would argue about I'll take the gallon over the, the 1,400 pounds of ag lime. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple, a lot of us don't even have the ability to spread that much lime mm-hmm. um, and don't certainly have the back strength, but... Uh, yeah, the uh, um, the liquid lime too. Something to remember is just the way that we tell guys to apply it. Most guys are going to spread a, you know, whether it's a thousand, two thousand, doesn't matter the amount of ag lime. We're going to work that into the soil because it doesn't do much good on top, and so we're probably going to incorporate that in anywhere from you know three to six inches. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tell guys to spray our liquid lime product on the surface, and we tell them not to work it in. So what we're hoping is going to happen is that we're going to let moisture work that in, in the top. You know, the more moisture we get, the further it's going to work down into the soil. And now our the amount of liquid lime that we recommend you use depends on your pH. So this is why, again, it is important to have a soil test and, and know something about your soil. But the way it works is moisture is going to move this down through the, the layers of your, your soil profile, you know, first first the top quarter inch, you know, half inch, three-quarter inch, inch, and, and so forth and so, so uh, down into the soil until we run out of reaction. 
that that uh, reacting uh, calcium carbonate. And I think it's important for guys to understand that that's really how we make an impact. We're not looking to get down and adjust the pH eight inches of the ground and remember where we're putting most of our seeds. Right. Mm -hmm. Most of the food plot seeds that we're planting, um, unless you're planting corn or soybeans, you're gonna be in the soil probably no more than a half inch deep, or you certainly shouldn't be. Shouldn't be right. So most of the, the, the brassicas, the smaller seeds are, are two times seed diameter. Uh, we should be probably a quarter inch into the soil. And so when we go out there and spray either before or after with our liquid lime, we're adjusting the top inch or more as time goes on of that uh, soil depth. That is right where our plants are establishing. It's right where they're forming a root system. And that is usually where a lot of food plots fail. When we don't have that soil uh, properly amended early on, we never get a proper start, a proper establishment, and then at that point, the rest of the conversation is kind of a mute one because mm -hmm. fertilizer does not fix roots that aren't there. Right. Gotcha. So, again, that's why liming is so important. Gotcha. Gotcha. I and I'll let Andy talk more about some of the other calcium and some of the differences there when we talk about calcium for the plant mm -hmm. versus some of the soil-based calcium that we've got. Okay. I can hear the passion in y'all's voices, and I love it. It makes me feel like we're really learning something here. So, All right. Well, speaking of calcium, let's go on to calcium. So we got the Plot Doctor Calcium. Um, tell us about it and, and when somebody should use it. So our calcium product is, is purely a plant nutritional product, okay? When we talk about lime, we're talking about calcium carbonate. It's a reaction with water that removes hydrogen to raise pH. Our calcium product is just to feed the plant. Calcium is one of the, the most highly dependent nutrients that a plant needs. It grows roots, shoots, leaves. Every cell that's in a plant is comprised of calcium. Um, calcium drives quality in plants. It drives root mass in plants. Um, so we use calcium. We promote it mainly in the perennials. Cause a lot of the annuals that are very short season crops, um, they be completely honest with you, don't require as much intensive care as the perennials do. Hmm. We promote our calcium a lot, starting at spring green up in your alfalfas, your clovers, um, just promoting every every spring, uh, perennials go through a root flush. Okay, so they they're expanding their root season early on to carry them throughout that growing season. And the same thing happens in the fall as well. So they they go through another root flush to build up reserves to make it through the winter. Yeah, and if they don't have ad adequate calcium at that point, that's where the root fails or, or doesn't have as much vigor, right? Mm -hmm. So we're enhancing the root system with calcium. We're also enhancing palatability in a lot of those perennial crops. Um, you help with uh, moisture retention in the plant. There's a whole laundry list of scientific things that we could go down of what calcium <laughs> helps. Um, but so it's a, it's a very important nutrient, and so that's why we provide a, a calcium nutritional product in our lineup um, because it's it's very important in a lot of these systems, longevity of a lot of your perennial stands, etc. Um, so, so the calcium is a you want to talk to that because it's a 20% ionic calcium. Yeah, so it's a it's a unique formulation, Andy, in the fact uh, one of the the biggest advantages of it is you can stick it in the tank with other chemistries. Hmm. Um, being in an ionic form already, it's uh, it's unique, and and it it's a 
calcium products. So we're getting a lot out there in a very efficient form. And so just to clear up the air too, again, much of the food potting world thinks of, of calcium products being pH adjusters. Mm -hmm. And again, this is where we want to make it very clear that these calcium products are not adjusting pH. Some of the red flags that you can look at when it comes to calcium products is if it shows calcium chloride, that's a calcium nutrition product. Uh, if there's a calcium product that contains any nitrogen, that's a calcium nitrate product. It's not a pH adjuster. So on social media, I see every day where people are like, I'm using this as a lime alternative. I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but it's it's not adjusting your pH whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But it's not to say that your plant can't benefit from calcium products. It's just picking the right tool for the job you're trying to, to accomplish. So knowing the differentiation between what different types of products you're putting out there is going to help you in, in making the right decision on do I have a pH issue or am I benefiting from calcium nutrition? You want to dive deep for a second? Ionic <laughs> calcium versus calcium chloride, calcium nitrate. You want to talk about that a little bit? Do we, do we want to get that deep? Go for it. Go for it. I'm loving it. Let's, uh, let's keep it a, a surfacey deep. Okay. So going back to earlier conversation about plants drink they don't eat, they need to be in a plant available form. Simply put, I am meaning it's in a form that the plant can take. Uh, a lot of these conversations, and again, <laughs> we don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here, but chemistry, mm -hmm. pluses and minuses, charges mm -hmm. come into the conversation. When you've got something that is in a calcium nitrate or a calcium chloride form, it is a compound. Uh, it is not an ionic uh, element, therefore the plant cannot use it until it takes it apart or something in the soil takes it apart. Um, and so that out of these other nutritional products compared to our plot doctor calcium product, it has already been reacted. It is in a protected, encapsulated, uh, ionic form ready for the plant to use. And so, again, you know, none of these calcium chloride, calcium nitrates, uh, or our plot doctor calcium uh, adjusting, affecting products. And Andy explained that very well. This is, this is, Probably one of the most important things to understand out there right now. Um, we're not saying that any calcium product is not beneficial potentially to the plant. Um, we certainly have some advantages with our product as we just described, but guys need to understand that not all calcium products will be affecting their pH as, as a liming product. Uh, that's, that's extremely important for guys to understand. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Awesome. So there, 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 there was underlying in there underneath that that statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. So we have one more product to cover, but before we get to it, I have a, kind of a random question that popped up, and uh, I don't know. You guys are either going to love this question or hate it, but uh, I, I've often heard people say that you know, take any plant, a soybean, a soybean is a soybean is a soybean, and no matter what kind of ground or conditions it grows in it's going to have the same amount of protein as the soybean down the road is that true or are using these fertilizers and stuff putting more power let's say power into the plant more protein or nutrients into it that that's a good question 
uh, a soybean is a soybean is a soybean is not true. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we use the same products on the egg side. And so we work, we're in Wisconsin, we're a very diverse state. We have a lot of high specialty crops here. Mm-hmm. And so you take um, uh, like grapes, apples, things that are very small scale but worth a lot of money. One of the first questions I ask them are, do you have a lot of deer pressure? And they'll say, yeah, we got a few that nip on this, nip on that. And I always warn them. I say, all right, if you want to go forward with this technology, you might want to look at having a fence. Because we will change the nutritional value of that plant. Mm-hmm. And when it's enhanced, animals are incredibly intelligent and they know what's better for them versus what's not. And so you change uh, palatability, you change nutritional levels. When those go up, deer and other critters that eat it are going to like it more. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, you definitely can impact protein levels, calcium levels. Uh, all the nutritional factors of a plant. Um, we we do a lot of work in the in the dairy industry, John, and and that's one of the easiest places to prove Andy's point. And mm-hmm. what he just said is, uh, you can take uh, you know feed analysis of of any you know alfalfa or silage type. Uh, they're already doing that anyways, and mm-hmm. and that that is a black and white statement. What Andy just made. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is you you can show one side of the road to the other. Where you've done some nutritionally things different, uh, or or you know stress. There's there's a lot of different things that affects affect the way that plants perform and, mm-hmm. and what's in them. But absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah I just it's, go ahead. Uh, your you, Andy's statement about a soybean as a soybean as a soybean is 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 not not correct, and that goes mm-hmm. for any crop, not just soybeans. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I just. As we were going through this, that's just what I was, you know, it really benefits hunters in two ways. One, you know, you feed the soil, the soil feeds the plant, the plant feeds the animal. Um, you know, if it's better for them, they're going to find that. It's going to be more attractive, which is also obviously good for hunting. But it's also going to be better for them, which means healthier herds, bigger antlers, all the things that hunters love. So that's... Well, and one more thing, Andy, you're... you're, you're uh... You're saying a lot of good things, and I think another thing that we've noticed, too, is when deer are getting better nutrition from the things that they're eating, they don't need to eat as much, right? Mm. So, I mean, the goal normally is to keep the plot there as long as possible, mm-hmm. and um, our phone is ringing late, kind of. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's something that's important to remember for guys, and something that we've seen here is, you know, the higher quality you can put in your plot, no matter if it's a 10 by 10 or a... Uh, you know, a 10-acre plot, the the less that they have to eat, the better off we're going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get the nutrition that they that they require. Yep. So it's more of a quality over quantity conversation, right? Right. Awesome. So, great questions, man. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. I figured that was a good spot for it. So before we move on to our next one, which uh, is one that probably most people are going to be the most excited about when they get on your website, and that is Plot and a Pail. Um, y'all have several different varieties of this, but... Um, Tell people about what's in a plot and a pail. So plot and a pail is our simplified version of what guys can purchase as a package deal to do, whether it's an annual, a perennial, or if they have a perennial that they're trying to maintain. So after after year one in that perennial setting. So again, they're, they're combinations of products with a set forth plan that guys can, can purchase, follow the steps, and have success. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, it's kind of a convenience packaging. Uh, you, you take phone calls every day, and what do I plant? I don't know what to plant. Mm -hmm. I want to do a spring plot. I want to do a fall plot. So we kind of packaged it to take that guesswork out, right? Mm -hmm. So everything you need for that quarter acre or half acre plot is in that pail, including yeah. a stir stick. Mm -hmm. Then the pail acts as a receptacle for your water to do the mixing. Yep. So yep. our 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 pails are built around that that half acre plot. Mm -hmm. Yep. Gotcha. And you all sell several different ones, so if people want to, you know, like you said, perennial or annual, um, you have different combinations of seeds and stuff, so people can get on there and shop for, you know, what's right for them or their area or their herd. Um, so, sure. yeah, just a, yeah, just a great pop product. Puts it all in one thing, so. Yep, and we're not particular to a certain seed company, so we left it open to where if a guy purchases his favorite seed or the company he's loyal to, um, they can just purchase the fertility products in that. Mm -hmm. And, and then, you know, go about their day and, and go yeah. forth with their plot. So yeah, you don't have to buy the seed from us on the site. You can, if you have your pail, like Andy said, just just don't click on the seed that, and purchase it. You just get the pail. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that's a great uh, transition into the next thing I want to do, which is, uh, hopefully is going to be fun for you guys. So um, I kind of told you, you know, Oklahoma's an ag state, mostly cattle, you know, some farming areas, but a lot of cattle. Um, and so for most people, you know, if they buy a property, lease a property, um, more than likely it's going to be in some kind of ag, some kind of cattle pasture. Um, and so a lot of people are, you know, fencing off a half acre or clearing, clearing some cedars or something like that. And so I want to, want you guys to just walk us through, if somebody has a brand new food plot, um, basically just take us through the order, you know, should you lime before you kill the existing vegetation should you kill that and then lime and basically just take us through the whole process so i'll let uh whoever wants to tackle that tackle that um but yeah just walk us through the whole process so first step soil test mm -hmm. we need to have a starting point we need to know how bad things are how good things are etc so the first step no matter what soil test okay mm -hmm. once you've gotten your soil test back now we can look at if you need any amendments, if we need a pH adjustment, if something's really out of whack. Um, and that that's pretty self-explanatory at this stage in the game. But again, the great thing about food plotting is, is there is no right way, there is no wrong way. Mm -hmm. Okay, it is, a, it is a very open end or a very open book as far as, you know, what are your equipment abilities? What are you looking at for, what are your expectations? Mm -hmm. You know, I have so many guys that call in and, you know, they're like, oh, my food plots are struggling, and, and I'm, I'm just not getting anywhere. It's not where I want it to be. And, you know, modern-day technology, they can just send me a picture to my cell phone. And I got guys that have phenomenal food plots that they're just not happy with. Hmm. And, you know, they're like, oh, I got some weeds in it. Oh, I, don't, I don't mind if you have some weeds in it. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Um, it does not need to be magazine quality every time, every year. Mm -hmm. So... A lot of guys get stuck in that position where, well, it's it's not three foot tall and super lush and perfect cut and clean lines. So I just like to make it a, a point of you don't need that to successfully attract and hold deer. Mm -hmm. Okay, but you know if you're going into a new plot and you know that it's struggling, like you don't even grow good weeds. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Start looking at types of uh, spring blends. You know the buckwheats, the oats. Um, try and lean towards some of the cheaper seeds that you can get in larger quantities and start trying to build that soil. 
making sure that you're still amending the soil for, for pH, even in that cover cropping type sequence. Um, the, you know, the if you some guys aren't in the spraying herbicides, but if you're in the spraying herbicides, you can do burn downs. Um, I've done a lot of plots where I can just till them multiple times to control weeds. Um, again, your your opportunities are endless. Mm -hmm. There there's 25 different ways to successfully plant a food plot. Um, so managing your weeds, managing your pH, trying to build your soil with some some spring or summer plantings. Um, you can go into your fall plantings. Um, some guys are going no-till, some guys are going conventional tillage. Um, some of the things to look for is if your ground is really, really hard and you have a even just a problem growing weeds, no-till is probably not the right move for you right now. You might need to do some tillage to build up some of your soil tilth um, to get to that point of no-till. I've seen a lot of guys fail in that situation. Um, I guess, John, do you have any questions to kind of narrow, yeah, kind of narrow it? I got a few off the top of my head. Um, okay. I guess my biggest question is, you know, let's say you, you test your ground and the pH is off one way or the other, so you need to either add lime or calcium. Um, would it hurt to do that before you kill the existing vegetation? You know, let's say you're in a Bermuda grass pasture. Um if you, I guess I'm thinking, you know, let's say you lime that ground to help that pH and the ground improves, is that going to make it harder to kill that existing vegetation? You know, would you be better off killing it and then spreading your lime? So you would not hurt your ability to kill off the Bermuda, mm -hmm. okay, by enhancing your soil. Gotcha. Okay. Uh -huh. um, but in most cases, a lot of guys are not doing spring plantings and fall plantings in the same year. They're just focusing on fall plantings closer mm -hmm. to hunting season. Mm -hmm. um, in that case, um, depending on your budget dollar, I would just keep your application as close to that fall crop as possible. Gotcha. Most of the time what I'm guys is go out, prep your seed bed, spread your seed, spray your lime last, okay, because mm -hmm. we want that over the top of a planted seed bed. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I just learned something. I would assume the lime would have come first. Um, and it, and it, it can. Uh -huh. uh, it can, John. But, uh, you know, like Andy said, our, our best recommendation is to, to spray your lime over the top of your, your seed bed. Uh -huh. But you can also spray the lime and then spread your seed also. Mm -hmm. Just remember what I had mentioned earlier in our conversation about we do not want guys to work it in. Mm. Uh, so we don't mm. want you running a disc I'm with and you. taking that. Yep, yep. Right. So yeah, just, the liquid yeah. liquid product needs to be on top, soil soil applied. Gotcha. So last pass. Gotcha. Another right. point that is in perennials where you're not, you, you have an existing crop for a multitude of years and you need lime, you can go right over the top of a perennial crop with liquid lime and not hurt anything mm -hmm. and still yeah. change pH. If you're going to go spread a dry material over the top of an established perennial, it's going to be hard to incorporate that dry product into your soil profile. Hmm. So using liquid, we can go in season. We're not going to drown it out with 1,500 plus pounds of a material. You can still get pH adjustment in that situation. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, let's say somebody you know has access to whatever equipment they need. They have a sprayer. They have a spreader, a uh, cultivator. 
is there any reason to use, say, like the foliar fertilizer versus the dryer? Is is there a benefit to one or the other, or is it just whatever's more convenient for you? It's whatever's most convenient, okay? The same component in our dry is also in our foliar. So it can use, if you're quicker and it's easier for you to go around out there and spray, fill up the sprayer, sprayer foliar right over top of that prep seed bed, Okay, you're going to get the same effect as the dry. Also, with the foliar product, again, you can come in as many times as you want in season um, and, and feed your crop throughout the, throughout the growing season. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And then um, just so you know, we're perfectly clear on this, let's say somebody uh, tests their pH and their pH is high. And just for the sake of argument, let's say another person tests their pH and their pH is low. Which product do they need for which situation? So if you're high, you don't need any lime because you, you don't want to go. Mid-sixes is a sweet spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're high, you're going to probably be in a, a, a pretty fertile soil situation to begin with. Mm-hmm. So then you'd be focusing on our calcium product and our foliar product. If you're in a low pH environment, number one, you're going to want to adjust that pH Okay, the calcium and the foliar are also going to be beneficial products to use in that situation. Gotcha, gotcha, that's right, because the calcium feeds the plant. Calcium feeds the plant. All right, I'm with you now, I got it straight. Uh, Awesome, guys. Well, um, I think that's about all the questions I have. Is there anything we might have left out that y'all wanted to cover? Um, I don't think so. I think that was a pretty good, pretty good session there. Mm -hmm. Um... I think, we, I think we pretty much covered everything. Okay, awesome. Well, let's say somebody listened to this and they fell in love with your products. Where do they need to go to, to order your products and learn more about you guys? So you mentioned it earlier, uh, John, our, our website, you know, we put quite a bit of time into that. That's probably the best place to go and learn about us. We've also got links on there to our Facebook page and some of our YouTube videos that we have shot to try to show guys how to mix our products, how to use our products. We talk about some of the things we talked about on the podcast here tonight with you on there. So uh, uh, as we mentioned earlier, Plot Doctor is a division of TIP. And so guys should go to our website, www.tipinc.net, and they will see right on there our Plot Doctor uh, logo, Uh, Just click on that, and it'll take you right to our Plot Doctor-specific page. All of our products are on there with prices, uh, recommendations, and and like we said, a lot more information, uh, including our our Facebook page, which uh, that's another good place if guys want to just go directly there. So www.facebook.com slash Plot Doctor Food Plots. And we've got a lot more great information on there, including those links to our YouTube videos and things like that. Great. And then, awesome. and then oh. one more piece of information, John, I'll just give our phone number also, which I know you're going to probably list. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, we, we highly recommend guys reach out to us. I mean, if you, you, you couldn't tell, you mentioned it. You know, we're pretty passionate about making sure guys understand how to put the right tool in the right place. Uh, we really are, uh, both on the ag side and on the plot doctor side. And that's, I think, one of the major differences between us and a lot of other companies is we want to make sure you understand how to use our stuff so you use it right. We're very confident it'll work if you do that. 
So, uh, yeah, our, our phone number, you know, to reach any of us here, 715-592-4650. Um, so any of those three methods would be a great way uh, to get a hold of us. Awesome. Perfect. Well, Steve, Andy, and Kitten, thank you guys very much. Y'all have been very, very uh, informative. And uh, I'm going to have to call you guys the plot doctors from now on. So thank you guys for coming on. And uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Have a great day. Thanks, John. Thanks for having us. Big shout out to Steve, Andy, and Kitten for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I thought this would be a great time of the year to release this episode uh, with these guys' products because spring food plot time is almost here. And so now is when you guys need to be getting your soil samples, you know, clearing the ground, clearing the cedar trees out of the food plots, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I like to try to get this stuff in kind of a timely manner so that you can be looking forward to what's coming ahead. So once again, thank you guys for coming on. I hope all you listeners love this episode. I know I sure learned about a lot. Like I said, they went super deep and I loved every minute of it. So, uh, once again, I want to thank you listeners for making this show what it is. Um, I mentioned, I think last week that this show has just been growing like crazy and, uh, and that's all because of you guys. So thank you guys. Thank you to all you guys who came out to the Backwoods show and shook my hand or introduced yourself. I really enjoyed meeting all you guys. Um, If you're one of the people that I yelled at into the middle of the aisle and asked you if you listen to podcasts, welcome to the show. I hope you're here and I hope you enjoy yourself and I hope that you keep listening. So that's going to do it for this week. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And until next time, I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.